first ever top 40 show from Salop Cast. This is a new show that we're going to run over the next few seasons, looking at sort of top 40 moments, players, and different things in the new meadow era, really. Mainly because I can't be bothered to go back and research anything beyond that point. But um, yeah, it should be should be quite interesting. And this first show um, is the first part of a two-part series where we're going to look at lone players in the new meadow era. Um, and we're going to start with the worst loan players, or the worst loan deals, if you will. Um, so yeah, to join join me on this podcast this week with Ollie uh, away working on his own individual projects, um, some interviews coming up, which is going to be interesting. Um, I've got two people involved, really, that I can think I've spent a lot of time sitting in the pub with talking about terrible Shrewsbury Town loan players. Or should that be terrible Shrewsbury Town players in general? Just so. in general, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got my brother Mike Price here again. Welcome back to the podcast, Mike. Thanks for having me. And I'm joined again with John Molyneux, who hasn't been on for a couple of seasons, um, but yeah, he's now sitting by me and Mike at the Meadows. So yeah, you're kind of aware of the nonsense that we chat on a week-by-week basis now. Yeah, very much so. Thank okay. you for inviting me into your parents' home to get this done. It's all right. No worries, no worries. And um, obviously, when I first contacted you both about this with a, with a list of, shall we say, 40 lone players that... Not many you could remember, Mike. That was one of your main complaints yeah. at first. I was like, well, for a podcast, like, how many type, different ways do you want me to say I've got no memory of that guy? <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what I can drag out of my head when you start going through them a bit. And I John, struggle to remember our current players. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you were saying, John, you've done a bit of research yourself you, and, and you found some interesting nuggets, so we'll, we'll look forward to hearing those. But yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always tricky, isn't it, with some of these players? But we'll see as we go on anyway. And as I say, a lot of this has been developed from mine and Ollie's, uh, Ollie's list, so... Um, this is our viewpoint. I'm sure it will hopefully spark some debate and people will potentially say they can't believe that people are so far up the list or so far down it. But So we're going to tackle this in batches of 10 um, and we pre-recorded some sections of uh, audio covering the, the, the first 10, if you will, um, and running through them and giving a bit of background as to why they're on the list really and then we'll come back and, and have a chat about those. But I thought the best place to start really before we, we got into all of that really was to ask you guys, who, who would you say was the worst loan player or loan deal in the time that we've been at the New Meadow, Mike? I think when you when you look at a loan, you have to look at how excited you are that you've loaned that player. Mm. So, like, inevitably with the town, what we'll do is we will loan somebody that really solves a problem on the pitch and they seem like the right one. It's, and for us, it's always strikers. Yeah. We always loan in strikers because we're always desperate for goals and they never, ever work out. <laughs> really, they don't, do they? And I, th- I think sort of looking through your list that you said, the two that jumped out to me were um, Sylvan Ebanks Blake, mm-hmm. who yeah. came with great pedigree. And uh, Jamie Curran as well, who came, mm. you know, they've, they've scored goals everywhere they've been in their career. They rocked up at our gaff, and what happened? They stunk the joint out. So <laughs> those two sit, sit at the top of my list since we've been at the Meadow in terms of the quality of loan signing, because we've had a lot of loans that nobody's ever heard of before or since is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of players that have gone on to do absolutely nothing, as you'll find out as we go through this podcast. And, and what about you, John? Who's, who, who was standing out for you? Same as Mike or anyone different? No, exactly the same. Uh, um, you said about strikers. Stole your thunder there, haven't I? Yeah. Ah, there's no thunder to be stolen, I think. But yeah, with strikers, if you've got a player in your team and you're in the championship that's got any idea about how to score a goal, you're probably not going to loan them to Shrewsbury Town. <laughs> True. Especially when Evans, Blake, and Curitan came when they were older anyway. Yeah. So it's not like they need to be developed and go oh, go and get some game time at Shrewsbury and then come back and do it. Yeah. They must have thought oh, this guy's finished now. <laughs> Just send him to Shrewsbury. But like with Curitan, it wasn't even like he was on the white. He was like thirty odd when he came to us, but mm. he was still the season after. Still went to score goals elsewhere. Yeah, elsewhere. Still is still playing at like forty something, scoring yeah. in the league. So last year he scored twenty seven goals oh, in yeah. fifty <laughs> games. That's your research. There we go. Well, we could have done with one. I mean, we'll definitely probably come back to Curitan because he, he obviously does feature in the list, and I won't give it away, but he's pretty high up there. So. Yeah, I guess that's it, really. I mean, yeah, it, it, I think the thing going through here is, as, as we said, there's so many lone players that um, uh, you could pick from. And it's probably worth saying, in, in the time at the New Meadow, we've had over 100 lone players now, which is yeah. staggering, really. I mean, what, did we move there in 2007? So It's not surprising, because we had Turner as manager, who yes. loved the loan, didn't he? Well, um, so that probably bumped it. There are a lot of players from that season when Graham Turner went loan crazy on this yeah. list as well, as we'll cover as well. But as I say, what we've done, as I said, this is a two-parter. So we split sort of the, the worst 40, if you will, into a list that we'll cover today. And we put the best 40 into a list that me and Ollie will refine for the, for the next episode that we do. But it leaves a fair few players outside of it. Players like Lee Collins, Jonathan Mitchell, Dominic Iortha, Josh Pashley... Jack Hendry, you know, players that you kind of still kind of only remember, but are not good enough to be in either list, really. So you get a few that fall between the uh, between the sort of uh, good and bad, I suppose, of the lone players we've had. So yeah, you know, it's just to remember that there are players outside of these lists that we won't even mention now. But we're not going to be talking about those bland lone players. They're, yeah, they're not the ones that came and did a job. There's not much mileage yeah. in them, is there? No, exactly. So um, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll move straight on now and we'll go through that first uh, first ten. 
um, looking at positions uh, 40 to 31. Number 40, Niall Ennis, 2017-2018, season-long loan from Wolverhampton Wanderers. A highly rated striker from just down the road signs on for the season and Hurst is full of praise for the young man. Ennis starts just one game though, a 2-1 defeat at Not Forest in the Cup and has a really bad knee injury which puts him out for the next 4-6 to six months. Everyone's a bit gutted. His loan is terminated at Christmas and he goes back to Wolves to recover. A bad loan really, but not the player's fault, just because of how soon it all went wrong unfortunately. Strangely, his first Wolves appearance after the injury was against Salop in the FA Cup last season where he came on as an 88th minute substitute. Number 39, Dan James, 2017-2018, season-long loan from Swansea City. A Welsh youth international with a lofty reputation, here for the season to be part of Paul Hurst's revamped team. What could go wrong? Answer, everything. Despite all the talent and all the effort, the lad could only force his way into one matchday squad in the FL Cup versus Forest, where he didn't get on. His deal was terminated very early, around the 31st of August, only a month or so after it started. Attitude issues were rumoured at the time. It's not held him back, however, as he's forced his way into the reckoning at Swansea, made his international debut and obviously moved on to Manchester United and has been their most constant goalscorer this season. His month's holiday to Shrewsbury does look a bit strange for a player with enough talent to force his way to the very top level. Number 38, Paul Downing. 2010-2011, one month loan from West Bromwich Albion. File this one under defensive cover. He came in and he sat on the bench a lot and never needed and was never played. Then he came back to haunt us with Blackburn in 2017-2018 as they pipped us to promotion. Gutted. He does speak highly of us in the press, though. Number 37, Wade Fairhurst, 2009-2010. One month loan, which was extended from Doncaster. A player on this list that did actually get some goals for Salop as a lone striker, scoring four goals in ten starts, but a player who's still not that highly regarded by town fans. The reason this would appear to be just how absolutely inconsistent he was. One match he'd score and put in an 8 out of 10 performance, and the next he followed up with a 3 out of 10 showing, whilst he looked borderline disinterested. He was also one of those loans that got worse as he went on. First game he scored, got two assists, and then slowly went backwards. Even on the days he scored, you'd still see things like he was slow, weak, and ineffective on the message boards. He got injured on Boxing Day and his loan was not renewed. But for that injury, you do wonder whether he might have been on the other list of best loan players, as he might have well gone on to score more goals. Number 36... Romain Sawyers, 2011-2012, half-season loan, West Bromwich Albion. When asking around for thoughts on the worst loan players on social media, one name cropped up more than we thought it would, Romain Sawyers. It seems on further investigation, a lot of this stems back to what some have described as the worst half of football from a player many have seen at New Meadow. His 45 minutes at home to Burton Albion were just the worst. Every time he got it, he miscontrolled it and gave the ball away. He ran around like a headless chicken, leaving the team exposed and unbalanced, and by the end of the half seemed afraid to go anywhere near the fans, so frustrated were they by his relaxed and languid style. He was a liability, and he was subbed off at half-time. This was his last game for the club, and the last few months of his loan he was frozen out. In total, he only started two games and was truly underwhelming. Number 35, George Waring, 2016-2017. Half-season loan from Stoke City. George Waring is a striker. In 2016-17, he played 29 games on loan between us and Carlisle and scored zero goals. That's a remarkably bad record, really. Looking at this, this was the start of his issues that have seen him drop progressively down the leagues and end up at Chester. He started the season at Salop, joining in the summer and pledging to score and start games. Knew those things actually happened. He only started six of the 20 games that he featured in and he looked like a clumsy lummox most of the time. At times, he was more interested in having a wrestle with opposition players than getting on the end of a cross. When chances presented themselves, he snatched at them, including a particularly amazing miss when a cross at Bolton from Grimmer came in and he went to finish before it somehow went right through his legs. Hurst gave him a crack when he first came in as well, starting him in four games, but the lack of goals and his contribution was the reason that Hurst didn't renew the loan in January. Number 34, Ebu Adams, 2017-2018, half-season loan from Norwich City. The same season as Norwich colleagues Carlton Morris and Ben Covery came into Salop and became two of the best loan signings in the new Meadow era, poor old Ibo Adams had the opposite experience. Coming into a side that hit the ground running with Ben Godfrey the standout, Adams couldn't force his way into the manager's thoughts and only got 20 minutes of league football in his six months with the club. He made two starts in the minor cup competitions, but other than that he was a total fringe player and his last involvement with the squad was in September. He then hung around in the background until his loan was up in January and Norwich realised that he wasn't getting games and recalled him. Number 33. Charlie Colcutt, 2018-2019, season-long loan from Chelsea. Lots of fans were excited about the signing of a Chelsea boy Colcutt when he joined in the summer of 2018. Creative, potentially a new John Nolan, just what we needed. How wrong we were. Colcutt was not at the required level for regular League One football, and that was apparent when he made his only league start for Salop on the opening day and was subbed off after 74 minutes as town lost. His only other appearance was in the Cups, particularly the FL Trophy, where he actually managed to get another start. He didn't last the full 12 months, however, as Ricketts got rid at the first chance he could when the January window rolled round. Number 32, 
Liam McClendon, 2015-2016, half-season loan from Wolverhampton Wanderers. McClendon was a two-time loanee to Salop. The first stint, you couldn't really argue with anything other than being a fresh-faced youth player who came in and scored three goals in nine league games, which was well above expectations. But that's not why he's on this list. Some of that good work was undone with his second loan spell in 2015-16 when he managed just one goal in 11 games, and that one goal was in the EFL Trophy. In the second stint, he found appearances really hard to come by, and by October, Mellon was already fielding questions of if the loan would be cut short. It wasn't then, nor was it renewed, however, in the January. A disappointing second spell, and it didn't get much better as the second half of the season rolled round, and he failed to make an impact down a level at League 2 with Crawley. Number 31. Christian Lopez, 2013-2014. One month loan from Huddersfield. Shrewsbury Town's first Spanish player, but not one that's hugely remembered. Lopez played five and scored one and was okay at holding the ball up, but was also not very clinical. He was recalled by Huddersfield at the end of his month loan when actually we were looking to keep him. However, his worst game was away at Peterborough where he was reported to have had zero impact on the game at all. So there's our first batch of loan players, uh, starting, as we said, from positions 40 to 31. Um, ten players there on the list for, for various reasons, really, I suppose. And, and it's probably just worth covering off the bottom two, really, Niall Ennis and Dan James, because... Um, you know, clearly reasonably talented players, and obviously Dan James will come to talk about in maybe a little bit more detail in terms of how well he's gone on to. But both of those guys featured really as lone players that were very young and just didn't settle into a team and didn't really get a chance. But I mean, it is interesting that you can have a player like Dan James on the list, Mike, who's gone on to do absolutely amazing since. You know, it's just astonishing, really, isn't it? Like yeah. the the rumor was that he was a bad trainer and. You know, the times we saw him, he was yeah, he was incredibly quick, but he just didn't look ready for men's football. And what are mm. we? Two years on, yeah, not even that. And he's like starting for Man United every week and scoring goals in the Premier League. I guess it just goes to show you shouldn't really write off young players when mm. they're not performing. But it would have been nice to see a bit of that for us, you know. Yeah, we could have done with it as well. Yeah, at the time, <laughs> during, yeah, during that season, I suppose. But yeah, and as as I say, there's quite a few other ones on their list. I mean, we've just been talking as we were listening back to that audio, and and John, you were talking about Christian Lopez as someone that you <laughs> had had something to say. Oh yeah, I've got some about Christian Lopez. <laughs> just this Daniel James bloke for a second. I don't, I didn't know whether this was another cock up from the club because <laughs> there was an interview after a pre-season game against Walsall. Right. This was the first time that I think he'd played. And apparently Brian, it was, that said that it was in that fixture that his rapid pace really caught the eye. But by then, talks to end the loan agreement were already going on. <laughs> so actually, they, they, like, they'd seen him once, twice in training and thought, this guy's an absolute idiot. Send him back. They saw him against Walsall and thought, oh, we, we, oh, we could really do with hanging on to him. <laughs> but by then, he was pretty much halfway on the bus back, I think. Oh, no. Christ Disaster. That's not surprising, really, is it? I mean, a couple of these lone players are on here for Shrewsbury Town admin errors, as we'll come to. Well, actually, we're talking about George Waring a second there, and, and we'll talk about it when we talk about another player on the list in a minute. But Waring and, and Moar, who we'll come to talk about in a minute, were both players that obviously had issues with their registrations that cost the club a, a big eight grand fine. I don't know if you guys remember that. We'll, we'll talk about it later on in the, in the details. But yeah, essentially, we played them both ineligible in a game. Did we? Yeah. No, that's unsurprising, well, isn't we, it? We lost 3 0 to Charlton in that game, but we would have had a, the, the result overturned if we won, and it would have been not good for the club. But anyway, there you go. So Waring's on that list for some similar reasons. He wasn't too good either. But yeah, Christian Lopez, I was alluding to that a minute ago. Uh, Christian Lopez, I couldn't understand with him. He was there for like a month, wasn't he? He wasn't (laughs) there very long. Don't know how many games he played. Can't really remember him doing anything. But then after he left, after a month, I remember he put this really weird post on social media. (laughs) It was like a montage that you'd probably see a 16-year-old girl do to one of her best friends who it was her birthday. It was loads of pictures of him in in the Shoesby Tang kit, his training kit, saying, I love you guys. (laughs) I thought that was that's just bizarre. Yeah. I've um, the thing that the I've forgotten you already. Yeah, the <laughs> thing that Lopez suffered with, which is it's quite consistent amongst the Shuba Town fan base, is the more continental and exotic sounding your name, oh, yeah. the the bigger the assumption that you're going to be a brilliant footballer. And I can remember Lopez was playing and he was stinking the place out. And people were still sort of riding hard for him, saying, "Oh, he's going to come good. He's got a fantastic touch. You can see he's learnt his trade in the Spanish leagues." And you're like, well, "No, he's just a." poor footballer like I don't know what people are reading into so I think that might have been it he kept, became a bit of a cult figure at the time and maybe he fell into that that's track. always been the way with Shrewsbury fans an exotic name yeah. pe- because I remember about a 70 year old bloke with a Daggio written on his back yes right? so I thought, unless you're his granddad, this yeah. is embarrassing I remember we used to chant Marco Daggio better than Baggio and yeah. it, just, it didn't bear out in the end no. did it well, no, he didn't go on to do too much did he to be fair but um, yeah Lopez as I say he's the first and I think still only Spanish player we've had so, um, is that right yeah exactly I think that was one of the things it was like oh it was like Spanish football yeah, was really good at that point in, in time wasn't it yeah. it must be amazing but no he was pretty awful alone and as I say he, he takes position 31 um, which kind of sort of nails us off really to sort of Let's go and have a look at positions 30 to 21. Number 30, Keith Southern, 2014-2015, half-season loan from Fleetwood. 
So unmemorable was Keith Southern's time at Shrewsbury Town that it isn't even mentioned on his Wikipedia page. Southern almost joined us in the summer window but opted for Fleetwood, who were going up as we were going down, and his time there was poor and they loaned him back out to us for the second half of the season. Fans were not impressed. Blue and Amber poster Percy posted that if Keith Southern was a tenth as good as he thinks he is, then I'd agree we should get him back, but he isn't. I still recall his best game for us, extra at home. He was the worst player on the pitch. So little impact did he have on a team that went up that season that he only started three games and we actually lost two of them. He also left the club with more red cards than goals. After that season, he retired. He once also took to social media to defend the Oystons. Yes, the Oystons. The mind boggles. Number 29. Exodus Hagen, 2010-2011. Two-month loan from Peterborough United. Exodus is one of those that might not be on the list if not for his injury. Six foot seven, Exodus was brought in as emergency cover in November 2010, as that week Town had suffered injuries to David Raven and Ian Sharps. With time running out, a deal was struck with Peterborough for Exodus, just hours before the kickoff with Crew. He impressed on debut in Crew, worked hard at Southampton in the FA Cup as Town lost, and then did well in a hard-fought draw at Stevenage. Then his knee went very wonky, and that was the end of his loan. A real sense of what if with Exodus, you could see how fans would take to him but he makes the list for the potential that he could have had that unfortunately we never saw due to his bad knee injury. His season did eventually recover after two months out and then he went back out on loan to Porchvale and had a punch-up with the Vale fans after they were chanting racist remarks at him and then he was forced to sit out the rest of the season. Number 28, Graham Burke, 2013-14, six-month loan from Aston Villa. Burke was clearly a striker Turner wanted to be a big part of his team, starting in the Open Games of 2013-14. He scored in one of them, but it was a 4-1 home hammering by Oldham that was an early pointer to what a bad season it would be. Would he have been given that role if John Marsden had not broken his foot in pre-season? That's still debatable. Following this game, Burke was somewhat of a scapegoat and was rotated out of the team never to start again. With the clock ticking, his long-term loan was called off in October 2013 early. Number 27, Connor Randall, 2014-15, one-month loan Liverpool. There's always something quite brilliant about a lone player who comes in and makes one appearance lasting one minute. That's what happened to Conor Randall, a right-back on loan from Liverpool. He came in to push Grandison for a place at right-back, but despite the talent that's seen him go on to play Scottish Premiership football, he couldn't dislodge the big man. His only run-out in blue and amber was an 89th-minute substitute appearance for Grandison at home to Wimbledon with the game all but one at 2-0. That's it. Number 26, Sam Smith, 2018-19. Half-season loan from Reading. One of Ricketts' January signings as the relegation battle started to get real. Town were desperate for goals, and this was initially where Ricketts placed our hopes, which was concerning as he'd just come from a loan at Oxford with a record of 13 league games and zero goals. He played two and looked awful. This forced Ricketts to look elsewhere in the window and brought in Campbell and Payne late on. After Campbell signed, Smith was a total non-entity at the club. In total, he had two ineffective games, didn't score any goals, and fans thought it was a total waste of a loan signing. Number 25, Richard Walker, 2008-2009, season-long loan from Bristol Rovers. A man who haunted us with a man-of-the-match performance in the 2007 playoff final was now at Shrewsbury on loan after a dreadful run of not scoring at Bristol Rovers. Big things were expected of a player that was a goal-every-two-games type of forward. It just never clicked from at Salop. First, he was the understudy to the rampant Grant Holt, featuring mostly from the bench and scoring a couple of 90th-minute goals. Then he got a run of games, but was just not consistent before being replaced in the big run to the playoffs by Nick Chadwick. Yes, Nick Chadwick. His legs looked to have gone as time wore on that season and he was a bit part player. He only played two games after February and was nowhere near being able to repeat his Wembley heroics and didn't even make it onto the pitch. Number 24, Equazai Asante. 2012-2013 and 2013-2014, both short-term loans from Birmingham City. Asante had had a bad hamstring injury during the start of the 2012-13 season and was working his way back to fitness, so Birmingham City were looking to get him games. His first loan to us was in March 2013, where he featured in seven games, finally scoring in the last game versus an already relegated Portsmouth for what was the last SCFC goal of the season. Despite never really impressing anyone that much, GT seemed to love Asante so much he brought him back the following summer, but in the second spell he was injured, hamstring again at the start of the season, and missed the first four games. He finally started versus Swindon, but only lasted 75 minutes, and that was it. An injury crisis at Birmingham saw him recalled to never to return again. Not the worst spell on the pitch, more just odd that he was here twice and only played eight games and got one goal, and GT was a bit miffed about the whole situation. Once again, another player whose time with us was at the peak of his career, and he's drifted down now to be playing non-league football. Number 23, Julian Bennett, 2012-13, one month loan from Sheffield Wednesday. Signing injury-prone players to cover for an injury crisis at a club rarely works out that well, and this was the case in the signing of Julian Bennett in November 2012. Having been plagued by injuries in the last five years of his career, Shrewsbury were hoping Bennett would at least be able to get through a month's loan deal. He didn't. He played four games, and in the fourth game his hip was sore and got progressively worse that caused him to miss the remaining games of his loan. It also caused him a bad back issue. 
He wanted to stay, but concerns over his fitness meant that Turner sent him back. When he played, he was decent enough, but Town were almost leaking two goals a game during that spell. Mind you, that didn't stop after he left. Number 22, Sean Miller, 2013-14, three-month loan from Sheffield United. It started so well on debut as Miller came off the bench to bag the winner versus Bradford at home and secure Shrewsbury's first home win in four months to lift the club two points from safety. Onwards and upwards then. Not quite. Miller was brought in to help SDFC starve off a looming relegation under Mike Jackson, who, like Turner before, was picking up loan signings at quite a rate. But he didn't do as required and he just didn't put the ball in the net enough. In key games versus Walsall and Carlisle next, he started and went utterly missing and he was subbed off both times with half an hour to go. He bagged another in a 5-2 hammering by Preston and reached a nadir when subbed off a half-time at home to Peterborough for Tom Eaves after a very poor showing devoid of effort. Last day of the season he was a sub but did come off the bench to score an equalising header versus Gillingham only notable for it being the goal that means we avoided finishing bottom of league one by a point. Whoop-dee-doo. Number 21, Fraser Fivey, 2013-14, one-month loan deal from Wigan Athletic. With Sir Graham Turner having done the right thing and stepped aside, Mike Jackson took over for the rest of the season with relegation troubles to be contended with. His first point of action was to bring in the loan sizing of Fraser Fivey, a reputed Scottish battler. Problem was, he wasn't very good. Entrusted to start the first two games after he joined, Salop were pouring a 3-1 loss at home to Swindon and a 1-1 draw at home to Bradford. He started two more games but was subbed off early in both, 55 and 79 minutes, and Salop went on four games without a win. His loan was up and Salop didn't look to renew, and no fans complained about it. So yeah, there another batch of what's beginning to seem like progressively worse and worse loan deals. And uh, yeah, I think you just said then, John, didn't you? That's that's quite a batch there. Looking at those players when you look at the list of ten of them. But yeah, some interesting names on there. Really, I think probably the hardest one is at twenty three is Julian Bennett. Really, who I think we put on the list because it looked like it might be a good deal. But um, yeah, it turned out to be like you were talking about a minute ago with someone who people were quite excited that we signed and it was someone we needed. Mike's nodding his head like he no, can't even I remember genuinely <laughs> have no memory of Junior. I've done Julian research on all these players. This is one of the few <laughs> I found nothing. Yeah, <laughs> who is this guy? Like you, you say, he was excited when we signed him. Who the hell was he? Okay, well we'll leave Julian Bennett yeah. there then. Okay, you've done your research, John. Who do you want to start with on this batch? Um, Exodus Isaac Geohagen, <laughs> just because I want to say his name. <laughs> a man that I feel may have had a religious upbringing. <laughs> 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 but the only kind of interesting thing I could think about him, I just know he's a massive, massive hench centre back. He was. But he's gone on to have 27 teams in his career so far. <laughs> 28 if you include England C. Yes. So well, the same level as Luke Rogers and Carl Murray. Well, a big X. I, I kind of have an issue with him being on this list. Oh, I really? didn't think he was that bad. Oh, okay. I think I can remember him being quite commanding and big, and you know he was just a bit of a, a bit of a unit centre up, but certainly not the worst I've ever seen. So. I feel he's been a bit hard done by being on this list. That's fine. Yeah, this is kind of what what it's here for is to prompt a bit of um, I don't know debate and stuff. I mean, plus I he has got a relatively continental, like exotic sounding name, so he's he's up in my books anyway. Yeah. And, and as I say, the reason he's on the list as we just listened to the audio that we played there is that it's he's one that might not have been on the list if not for the injury that he had. Yeah. Um, as we said, he he kind of did start well and, and played well, especially at Southampton in the FA Cup. I remember he had a, an imperious game mm. there. But yeah, it was just a case that we actually saw a little bit of sort of um, what we could have seen with Exodus, and obviously he just got injured and he was yeah. quite injury prone anyway and yeah, it just kind of all faded away really so it was more like you were talking about again that disappointment of sometimes about yeah. how you think these loan deals are going to go but yeah poor old Exodus he is, he's on the list and uh, yeah, we, we will be accepting revision to this list in five years time or something <laughs> when we've got a new cr- new crop of loan players to discuss but um, yeah what about you Mike anyone that, anyone else that stood out for you on that, that section um, I have sort of relatively good memories of a quasi Asante okay. starting okay I remember being sort of a bit of a flying winger sort of forward um, and him just first couple of games like there's something there and then inevitably what happened is he just kept doing the same thing at the same end result of nothing Yeah. and then slowly but surely you get more and more frustrated with him um, and then obviously Richard Walker on there notorious goal machine wherever else he'd been rolled up at our place scored no goals um, so I mean those two are jumping out at me on there the rest of them I have basically no memory of all of them. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, Walker got worse and worse as the season went on. I remember yeah. that. And then he eventually got replaced by Nick Chadwick and Jesus. Didn't, didn't even get anywhere near the playoff final, did he? But um, yeah, I say Asante, again, another one that had bad injuries and, and brought in and never, never really kind of settled down, did he? Um, but again, Asante's another one that's just gone on to play non-league football. One of the things I found when researching this was the amount of these loan players that came and had a crack at Shrewsbury Town you know, something that one of the managers has given them a chance to sort of establish themselves in the Football League. And within two years, they're playing for absolutely no mark non-league teams. Mm. None of, a lot of them have just been discarded by the wayside by their, by their top clubs. Bears so, out a lot of what Paul Urs used to say. If you can't play in front of Shoebie fans, you can't play anywhere. You know, so. <laughs> uh, right, Graham Burke. He's on the list, isn't he? <laughs> he is definitely on this list. This bloke won the European Golden Boots uh, in, his, in the youth team, I think it was at Villa. 
Yes. And then I found a newspaper article that was a few years old that just says, no luck for the Irish, how Graham Burke went from Europe's top scorer to English flop. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so I imagine that flop, the peak of that flop was probably his time at Shrewsbury Town. Yeah. I can't remember him doing anything of note while he was here. No, he didn't. He, I said he scored, I think he scored one goal, but we lost the game 4-1, didn't we? And um, yeah, he, he had a couple of other chances. And I think it was, say we said in the audio, it was one of those ones where John Marsden, who I think mm. people were quite excited about John Marsden, wasn't loan signing, but he got a broken leg or a broken ankle or something in pre-season, didn't he? And yeah. Burke, was, like, Marlin, Burke right. was given a chance. But I say it was during that season we discussed at the start, 2013-14, where we just had reams. and I think we had over 20 loan players coming out that season and at least 10 or, 10 or 12 of them were on this list. And say Burke was came in in August he was one of the first ones and he was shipped out by October so it didn't go well for him but yeah it's, it's an interesting interesting little list there I mean Connor Randall is always funny I think it's, it was interesting to pick up on the fact that he played one single minute but to be fair obviously as listeners to this podcast will know no one dislodges Jermaine Granison from the team so um, yeah he was a bit unlucky I suppose in that respect Connor Randall holds probably a record that his signing press interview lasted longer than his entire career <laughs> Very true. Especially with Wit is asking the questions, <laughs> it probably would have taken even longer. But yeah, he was a bit unfortunate on that one because Grandison was playing well. But you know, it was one of those ones where he was brought in his cover. But yeah, I think you know this is why on this list it's not just about these awful players. It's about sometimes the loan deal and what they wanted out of it, and it mm. didn't quite work. I suppose he was brought in as cover, but I think that you know when I was reading and researching it, that he was talking about coming in and starting every week. He was from Liverpool, yeah. big reputation, and it obviously just didn't go right for him. So. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the, the, the major ones in, in that section, really. But it's, it's good, Mike, for you to be pointing out where you're not happy about some of these things. I yeah, think. no, I, I, I'll ride for Big X. He's all right. <laughs> We're all right. I don't that. think you're going to spark too much debate on this list. I don't think too many people are going to say, <laughs> he, sh- he shouldn't be in this <laughs> list. You never know. You never know. But there we go. So that's uh, that's covered thirty to twenty one. Um, but now we're getting into the top twenty, really, where you you are starting to get some of the some of the names that will really remind you of some some dark times. So yeah, we'll, we'll look back now on positions twenty to eleven. Number twenty, Miles Story, two thousand and thirteen fourteen, a one month loan deal from Swindon Town. This was Jackson again, panicking hugely about our predicament in February and scrapping around for anyone he could get in, and he landed up with Mr Story, who was currently not playing for our League One rival Swindon. He started four games in which he didn't score, and he was a sub in two more games in which he didn't score. He was a striker, and he didn't score. The closest he came scoring was weirdly at Molyneux versus Wolves when he curled one in that forced Akeem into a good save, but the lack of goals meant that Jackson let him go at the end of his month, and he went back to Swindon and scored two goals in three games because, of course he did. Number 19, Jamie White, 2008-2009. One month loan deal extended from Southampton. The understudy's understudy. White came in in the Grant Holt season initially covered for Richard Walker and Dave Badback Hibbert. He came in the same day that we let Symes go to join Bournemouth and his old mate Jimmy Quinn. Obviously, being a young striker on loan at Shrewsbury meant that he went back after playing 10 games with just one goal, bagging his only goal after 50 minutes versus Dagenham at home after taking a pass from Holt and scoring from 20 yards. But it was the run of starting four games where, despite some much-needed pace, he was not impressive and only got a month extension due to suspensions and injuries. He was eventually replaced as the understudy by Nick Chadwick. The poor bloke broke his leg soon after going back to Southampton and it seems to ruin his career chances as he now plays non-league football. Number 18, Sam Foley, 2013-14, a one-month loan deal from Yeovil Town. Does anyone remember Sam Foley, the missing midfielder? Another one of Mike Jackson's late, late gambles coming in around the same time as Miles Storey. Foley was another that just didn't produce for the club that needed everybody to be playing at 100% to avoid the relegation troubles. He started six games and played a sub in three. But in the games he started, Salop did not win and it was noticed that he didn't influence the game or carry any attacking threat. Town only won two games while Story was at the club. One of those was where Town roared back late on to win after he was substituted off around Wilding and another where he was a very, very late minute substitution. Underwhelming performances, no end product and part of the lone army that hastened us to relegation that season. Number 17, Jamie Proctor, 2012-2013, one month loan deal from Swansea City. A promising young player on loan from Swansea who did very little in an almost nondescript one month loan spell. Proctor's loan did start encouraging enough with an okay showing in a 2-2 draw with Colchester, but after that it nosedived. In two more starts and sub-appearances, Proctor never got anywhere near scoring as Town went winless. GT was casting around for more strikers to do the job and he cut his losses with Proctor was clearly not the answer, which then led to... Number 16, Sam Winnell, 2012-2013, one month loan from Wolverhampton. A similar story to Jamie Proctor, promising young thing given a chance to shine for a month in the Football League. Given a chance to start those games, he didn't come close to taking it. Winnell started three games and came on as a sub once and didn't trouble the net. 
He looked mostly rubbish in the games and got bullied by experienced pros in a couple of them. Some fans branded him lost as he formed one of the laziest partnerships of all time in one game with him and Terry Gornell just aimlessly wandering around. Then he got injured and GT did the same as with Proctor and looked elsewhere when we desperately needed goals. Number 15. Temi Tope Obadei. 2010-2011. One month loan deal which is extended from Bolton Wanderers. Hey look, it's another non-scoring loan striker at Shrewsbury Town. Obadei came in on loan from Bolton after loans at Swindon and Oldham where he rarely had troubled the back of the net. At Salop it got worse. He made eight starts and didn't score and he added to that with a couple of other sub-appearances where he didn't score. Abiding memories of him seem to be falling over and missing the target after rounding the keeper at Barnet in front of the south stand and wildly blazing over when presented with a decent chance to level the scores after he'd fought back from 4-0 down to be 4-3 away at Chesterfield. Not great. Number 14. Jamie Devitt. 2009-2010. Three-month loan deal from Hull City. This is the story of even how a promising start of a loan spell can go wrong. Devitt came in pretty well known to town fans after scoring against us for Darlington the week prior to his signing. He was being marked by Harry Hooman that day, so no surprise with that. Devitt initially looked like what we needed, but now is his look back as one of the worst January signings that we've ever had. He started with a goal in a knife-catching performance versus Notts County in his second game, and then did get another a few weeks later versus Rotherham. But as the games went on, he got worse and worse, and his effort levels absolutely nosedived. This culminated on the Boxing Day game at Rochdale, where he was amazingly poor, and a poster on Blue and Amber described him as Jamie Devitt, Boxing Day, away at Rochdale, lost 5-0, so cold he must have got hypothermia because he did absolutely nothing. That was a performance that was so bad, it eroded away all the goodwill he'd earned with that good start, and even Simpson had had enough and dropped him. It was a clear sign for Hull, and they recalled him much to the pleasure of Shrewsbury fans and Simpson. Also at the time, he was another that seemed to have an attitude problem. Number 13, Baradin Adagic. 2013-2014, four-month loan deal from Celtic. You're Mike Jackson. Turner leaves the club and you're left carrying the team in an increasingly tough relegation battle. Do you, one, bring in some much-needed firepower who's fit and ready to hit the ground running, or two, bring in a lone player up front from Celtic who's not fit and won't be fit for almost a month? For some reason, Jackson went with option two and an unhappy time for Baradin started. In his first game, he came on as a late sub and that was it. Jackson then said he needed to do a mini pre-season and slammed him in the press, according to The Sun. As such, he was a bit part player, and even when he did get a chance to start, he was subbed off on 58 minutes because he was blowing up. We played Paul Parry up front rather than him at one point, which tells you a lot. In the end, he walked around looking scruffy, confused and tired in the 13 games he played for us. And despite all of those being up front, he scored zero goals. Eventually, we opted to give another lone striker a chance, which also didn't go very well, and Burden was sent back to Celtic, glad for the rest, and to avoid his dreaded double fitness sessions at Shrewsbury. Celtic didn't play him again when he went back, and his career has been on an odyssey through the top divisions in Finland, Lithuania, Bosnia, as well as the second division in Sweden. Number 12. Mohar El Arucci, 2016-2017. Six-month loan from Stoke City. Brought into the club early into pre-season 2016-2017 from Stoke City, along with his teammate George Waring, Mickey Mellon was hoping he'd provide some quality that would push the team in the right direction after a disappointing end to the season 2015-16. His time started by being part of a classic Shrewsbury Town admin mistake. Both him and Waring didn't have their loan registration papers lodged in time for the game versus Charlton, which we lost 3-0 at home, and as such, the EFL Disciplinary Commission got involved. They said, A disciplinary commission appointed by the EFL under regulations has ruled that Shrewsbury Town will be fined £8,000, with 75% suspended until the 31st of October 2017 for fielding two ineligible players earlier this season. Comically, this was not announced by the club for months. Had we won, that result would actually have been reversed. A bad start and it didn't get any better. He played six times, three starting and three as a sub, and never scored. Mickey Mellon indicated he fell out with players as he had absolutely no game sense, and they regularly berated him on the pitch. Despite having a six-month loan deal, Hurst took one look and said, No thanks. He sent him back in mid-November after only four months. Apparently he hardly spoke any English, which can't have helped. Number 11, Curtis Main, 2013-14, a one-month loan deal from Sunderland. First of two poor loanees from Sunderland, Main came in at the start of the 2013-14 season looking to impress and get the deal extended. But once again, it was a lone striker not scoring any goals at the club and it put paid to further time that he would have spent at Shrewsbury. He wasn't much good in any of the games he played anyway. Main played a total of six matches without finding the net, but his best, or should that be worst, remembered for an incident in the massive home game versus Wolves. The first time the teams had met in years and the game was delicately balanced at 0-0, with Town looking sprightly and pushing the more illustrious team from up the road. John Taylor plays a teasing ball into the box to Maine, who from three yards out can only tap home to send the Meadow into rapture. Somehow he balloons it over the bar in what is still one of the most painful misses at the new Meadow. Wolves get a late penalty and escape with the win. Oh, Curtis. So there we go. Another ten, another ten legends. Um, 
I should just just bring up here about my pronunciation of some of these names, lads, because uh, I'm a Shropshire lad. I don't, some of these names are a bit a bit too much too foreign for my uh, rural tongue. But I, d I did actually every time I couldn't pronounce one of these names, went on and Googled it to see how it's pronounced. So, so the phonetics. I'm going with the Google phonetic right. pronunciations here. So if it's wrong. Apologies to these players. I'm not sure they'll ever hear this, but I did try my best. <laughs> it turns out it's Jamie Proctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the one I struggled with the most in this list. But there was, a, there was at least two or three in here that were, were a struggle. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who do you want to start with on this one, really? Because, um, yeah, there's, there's a few here from one particular season, isn't there? This this batch does go back to the point about exotic sounding names. Gives you a bit of a start <laughs> with town fans. You know, Temin Topi Obadei, Badurin Atayic, and Moha El Uraruchi. That's better than I did. Like, all the, I remember all three of those guys coming in and just people were very excited about them. But I remember Obadei started quite well as well. Scored a couple of goals mm -hmm. and then dropped off. He, he seemed like he was going to make it happen. Um, but also in this list, you seem to have a lot of players who've gone on to other clubs and seem to have had a career around us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's people like um, Winnell seems to be still playing somewhere, doesn't he? Yeah, and, yeah, he's doing right. And Jamie White and Miles Story, have they had careers? No, they, not no. Jamie White. No, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> you have just yeah. It, Jamie, Jamie White now plays for a team called Infinity. Yeah. Well, I do. I do keep track of their results. Infinity, big fan. So <laughs> yeah, Jamie White is was an England under nineteen player and yeah. just went backwards unbelievably quickly. And I think. Like the peak of his career was at the town, really. Was so um, not great for him at all. But all um, yeah, I think say we were just talking briefly there, John, about sort of the, the Graham Turner bit in, in the section before, and, and we've just gone through. And in this section of ten, you know, of the, of the list twenty to eleven, there's five players from that 2014 season, and it wasn't just Turner, obviously, that brought loans in. He had tons, but then when Jackson took over, he brought a ton of loans in as well. And it just seemed, looking back, such a such a terrible strategy. And obviously, ended up in a relegation, didn't it? It wasn't wasn't the greatest. Was this the season after we left? We lost James Collins. I think it might have been back. So then we brought yeah. in Sam Winnell, and then when he doesn't walk out, we bring in another one, yeah. and then another one. So you're just like throwing crap at the wall until well, you're hoping one of them's going to be slightly good. Off this list in 2013-14, you know, you had Curtis Main and Miles Story, who are um, you know both strikers that didn't do too well. Um, Proctor, and then the season before in 12-13, uh, sorry, and then yeah, exactly the season before you had Proctor and Winnell as well. And, and it goes back to what Mike was saying about these strikers. You just there's so many that come in and just wouldn't score or scored one, and it wasn't a very good well, goal. The and... one that we wanted to keep was Miles Story. Yes, Swindon recalled him. I think Jackson wanted to keep him, so we actually found someone that could, I think he scored a couple <laughs> yeah, of goals, yeah. and then they just take him back anyway. <laughs> Sod's law, isn't it? Unfortunately for us, but yeah, I mean, yeah. But then, like the peak of the non-goal scoring strike was Curtis Main against Wolves, wasn't it? Underneath the bar. Yes. Yeah, oh, man. I mean, it, you could he could have he could have been there, tried that hundred times and not missed. I, I I don't know how he ever got that ball onto the bar. He was literally on the goal line, wasn't he? Uh, it's an iconic miss. Yeah, at the meadow that you know for for the, what it was because it, it, we let Wolves off the hook that day. Yeah. We played right up to there and and. You know, ball comes across. He just has to score, doesn't he? And then oh, just to miss from there, and then obviously Wolves went on to win, and we did better at their place, didn't we? Got the draw, but yeah. oh, it would have been brilliant to beat Wolves. And obviously, this se last season just gone. We've had another couple of chances yeah. to give him a bloody nose, but unfortunately, yeah. we haven't done it at all. But um, okay. yeah, you're, you're right about Miles Story there, uh, John. When you're talking about it, he went back to win and scored two goals in three games. So it's just classic, isn't it? We we, mm. we had this period where we had these players; they were awful on loan, and they'd go back fitter and start scoring for another club yeah. which I suppose was the point of why they got loaned out to us but it didn't really help us at the time is Jamie Devitt on he's yes, in this yeah, chunk as well isn't he because he played for us and then he went back to Grimsby or he got taken on loan by Grimsby and then Grimsby were 23 games without a win and they came <laughs> with him in the team and they beat us <laughs> indeed, indeed do that yeah that was uh Something we just read out as well there. And, and yeah, we had we had uh, some ref reflections from a Blue and Amber poster where he was saying that he, it was one game we lost 5-0 and it was just absolutely terrible. Must have got hypothermia. But yeah, he, he also wasn't very complimentary about the town, as I recall. And I remember when we had that game and, and he came back and did something against us, him and Simpson wouldn't shake hands. So there was obviously an, another one. You know, a few of these players on here we've mentioned as well got attitude problems and stuff. And Devitt seemed to strike, strike people as one. Devitt said something along the lines of Grimsby actually play football. Yes, his shoes being very much like a long and ball on the side. They were might have had a point at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were bottom of the league and hadn't won in 23 games. Ah, well, I mean, which, still. Which felt yeah, a bit But harsh. if they're still playing it the right way, Glenn, you know, yes. football purists like that yes. sort of thing. There we go. I've just, just looking at this list, I have dredged up a memory here <laughs> that that Mohar El Uruchi yes. on his debut was like unplayable. Yeah, he was incredible that day. He, he was going down the byline and nobody could get the ball off him. He was swinging cross down shots. And... Everybody was like, this is the guy, got to start next week. And he started the week after, and I don't think he passed to a man in blue all game. No. He kept putting it out of play. He was terrible. And I've never seen a more contrasting pair of performances back to pack than that. It was, it was really, really weird. He was that good, they thought we probably should really register him. 
which they didn't in time, unfortunately. Yeah. As you mentioned before, yeah, it was him and it was him and Waring that cost us the eight grand fine. And um, yeah, it was funny because me and Mike had this long running discussion about him, didn't we? Mm. Whereas I missed something like the opening game was yeah, where they come back, and Mike and another one of our friends, Jerry, were raving about this guy. And, and over the course of the next four or five weeks, I was like, "What have you? What have you seen in him?" Mm. And it was, he was absolutely, you know, dire in the games. I'm pretty watched. sure he's probably the only player as well that's rejected a contract at Barcelona to go and join <laughs> Stoke. <laughs> He's a good guy. Well, how bad must the contract have been at yeah, Barcelona? Odd character. I don't know. I, I could just take quite a small wage to sit in Barcelona and not play football for a exactly, bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't take anything. I'd just yeah. go and sit there. Oh, there we go. I mean, yeah, I think we've, we've covered quite a few of them there in terms of, of the overall list. And um, yeah, I, I think really, once you get to sort of 15 up, they, they do strike, as, strike you as loans that went very badly wrong, to be honest with you. But once we get into this top 10 now, which we'll cover now, um, oh my God, we've got some, some, some really dark memories here. <laughs> Number 10, Mikkel Mandron, 2014-15, six-month loan deal from Sunderland. Not many people know this, but while on loan at Shrewsbury Town, Mikkel Mandron, which is French for lazy man, did actually score a goal. The problem for him was it was for Sunderland under-21s when he was back training with them during his loan spell. Bought in during the winter transfer window, Mandron was highly rated and came as a big, tall physical presence. But after a few initial performances where he underwhelmed, he basically spent the rest of the season on the bench and was never good enough to win his place back from either Vernon, Barnett, Collins or Mangan. Another lone striker to leave the club without a goal, and lots of fans left asking at the end of it all, what was the point of that? He's now 24 and has still not scored that many league goals and now plays for Gillingham. Number 9. Tom Eaves, 2013-14. One month loan deal which was extended from Bolton. We're now starting to see the real Tom Eves that was the player that we had in 2012-2013 season who scored 6 in 10 goals in League 2 and left with pats on backs from our club. He's now playing Championship Football with Hull. But we also got to see the 2013-14 Tom Eves in League 1 and he was a very different player, scoring just 2 in 25. He joined on the 5th of January, scoring on his second debut and things looked set to continue in the previous vein. But it was a false dawn. Across 25 games, Eves was absolutely dire. This period was best remembered by the numerous absolute sitters that he missed. Bobby Shue on the Blue and Amber Message Board sums it up best at the end of the season when he said, He didn't just look low on confidence, he looked lacking in basic skill, fitness and ability to control the ball. On the rare occasion he did let off a shot on goal, they were completely lacking in power. I was initially pleased that he'd come back, hoping that his size and strength could cause us a few more problems up front, but I've resigned myself now to the fact that he's simply not up to League One standard. Oh, hindsight, eh? It's no wonder that he still gets clogged from town fans, and a lot of fans still seem to put the relegation that season down to him. Number 8, Stuart Nicholson, 2007-2008, season-long loan from West Bromwich Albion. Nicholson was supposed to be quick, but he looked slow as a snail. He was supposed to be clinical, but he couldn't hit a barn door. And he was supposed to be clever, but he gave the ball away time after time. Frankly, he was the peak of terrible young loan signings made by Peters in his latter days, and despite being given a very long crack of the whip, never impressed anyone, showing a startling lack of commitment as time went on. Of the 16 games he played for the club before his loan was terminated in the winter, he scored one goal versus Accrington, but that was only because the keeper went to claim a cross and dropped at his feet a yard out. He couldn't miss that one. Worse still, his entire spell was undermined by rumours of troubles at home with his girlfriend, bizarrely involving Mike Lowing, and this was also quoted as being part of the reason his loan was terminated early. Playing for us was the peak of his career, and he slowly disappeared down the leagues, including playing for Wrexham, where he made some bridge-burning comments about Salop, and then onto massive clubs like West Allotment Celtic, Jarrah Roofing B, and the Moreland Zebras. It's an unbelievable fall from grace for a player that was in England under-19s at one point. Number 7. Jamie Curiton, 2007-2008, six-month loan deal from Norwich. He'd scored goals and been prolific everywhere. 68 at Bristol Rovers, 50 for Reading, 6 for QPR, 7 for Swindon, 23 for Colchester, 16 for Norwich. At times you could not stop Curiton as he struck up partnerships with forwards left, right and centre. Then came his time at Shrewsbury Town, a signing that excited fans when it was announced in February 2010, but one which went badly wrong. As it stands, we're the only club other than Bournemouth, where he had a spell as a very young lad, where Curiton didn't score a single goal. We broke what was previously a prolific scorer and one who went on to get goals at more clubs after us. A poster on Blue and Amber said it best when he posted, Slow, weak, couldn't pass, shoot, cross. I never saw anything which suggested he was any better football than my nan. His time is best summed up when he was taken off versus crew late on in the season on 75 minutes, having once again been poor, and a young lad called Tom Bradshaw came on and showed more effort and scored more goals than Curriton did in his 12 appearances in just four and a half minutes. Number 6, Jeremy Hallan. Number 6, Jeremy Hallan, 2012-2013, one-month loan deal from Manchester City. Another Frenchman in the top 10, and this one was even worse than Mandron. He came in to play on left wing for a month in September and was recalled before his loan was up in October, but not for the reasons that they usually are. Helen came in and brought some pace which was needed but also had absolutely no football brain and no end product. 
There was one game at home where he just fell over in front of the West End for absolutely no reason to bring riotous laughter, and in four games he barely impressed. Man City then recalled him and sent him straight on loan to Sheffield Wednesday, where he was really, really good, which added to the frustration of this loan from Shrewsbury Town fans. Interestingly, his time at Shrewsbury and elsewhere seems to have been part of the reason why he retired at the age of just 26, citing being disillusioned by football, Hereford away will do that to you, I suppose, and wanting to focus on his Islamic religion. I remember a joker at the match a few years later when we were talking about him saying, I thought he'd already retired when he played for us. Number 5. Gozi Ugwu, 2013-14, two-monthly youth loan from Reading. This guy. So bad was the fan reaction to his performances that Turner did not renew the loan when it was up at the end of December because he felt the criticism was hindering his performances. But was that criticism fair? Hell yes. Brought straight into the team, his first two games he went goalless and failed to impress anyone. Third game in he scored, but it was a long shot that deflected hugely and wrong-footed the goalkeeper. And that was it. Hardly any more chances of note. In his last game, he was hauled off at half-time after being laughed at by town fans as he ambled around versus Tranmere at home on Boxing Day. There were rumours that day that there was boxing in the change rooms which involved him. The key word fans used to describe Ugwu was lazy, but you could have added unmotivated, uninspired, useless and... Number 4. Sidney Schmeltz. 2013-14. Half-season loan from Oldham Athletic. It makes your blood run cold thinking about Schmeltz. It's also no wonder we got relegated in 2013-14. Schmeltz, Ugwu, Eves, Maine, Attic... Asante, Foley, Story, Fivey, Burke and Miller they're all on this top 30 list of worst loan players and they're all involved in GT's mad loan frenzy that season but for this podcast it's Smelts that gets the award as one of the worst in that failing class of 13-14 on the 1st of January 2014 Town travelled to Oldham and Smelts came off the bench on 71 minutes to play for Oldham and looked half decent for them that's good enough for me says Turner as he brings him back on loan to Shrewsbury the next day that game would have appeared to have been the extent of a club's scouting Smeltz played just four games for the town and town lost all four of them. He started two and by the third even GT could see this guy was not the answer to mounting problems on the pitch. Why was he so bad then? Somehow he ended up on corners and they were dreadful. He liked to be direct but was constantly ran down dead ends or ran the ball out of play and some argued that he had the inability to actually pass a football. Basically he was a complete waste of time. Testament to how bad he was was that Turner called off the loan on the 14th of February and Oldham, who had offered him a three-year deal that previous summer, decided the best thing to do would be to cancel his contract. Not good enough for us, not good enough for Oldham, not good enough. Number three, Kyle Vassell, 2015-16, half-season loan from Peterborough. Mr. Unlucky 13, 13 games, zero goals. For a striker, that was absolutely awful, but worse than that was the boy missed sitters for fun. His work rate was decent at times, but he was one player who was well and truly let down by his skills and ability. He appeared to be allergic to the goals. With goals needed, Vassal looked like the man Mickey Mellon had pegged in January to be the one to score us goals and pull us away from a looming relegation battle. Mickey Mellon was wrong. Game after game he went blank and the patience of fans wore thinner and thinner. His absolutely ineffective period came to a close in a hell of a fashion. On his 13th game, with Town desperate for something at home to Sheffield United, Salop won a vital penalty. Despite the fact he'd never looked like scoring and not being the designated penalty taker, the weight of the lack of goals meant Vassal wanted the penalty and somehow got it. He missed it, of course. The reaction at the match and later online was awful for Vassal and Mellon reacted in the press with his are you taking more out and damaging our chances rant and backing Vassal to the hilt. He, of course, dropped him for the next game and he never played for Salop again. Number two, Nathaniel Mendes-Lang, 2013-14, short-term loan, Peter Bree United. This is such a weird one. He's second on our list of all-time loan players, and since that time, he's gone on to play and score in the Premiership for Cardiff. With GT assembling his loan army of players, on the 13th of January 2014, he found one of the worst. We can't sugarcoat this, really. When he turned up, he was fat. His abiding memory of Salop was the exercise bike he would sit on merrily through games in the tunnel, presumably trying to shed a few pounds before he came on to waddle about. In four months, he only played six games, and three as a sub, which contributed almost nothing. He was a winger with no pace, no tricks, and a seeming inability to cross. When he got on the ball, at times, hilarity ensued. He did manage to have two injuries during that time, however, as his body couldn't take the rigours his gut was putting on it. The second injury was enough, and he was sent back to Peterborough for the last bit of the season where he might have actually just got fit. But the story has an even darker end, as Peterborough involved him in the last three games of the season, and the second last game of the season was when Shrewsbury had a make-or-break game versus Posh in an attempt to stay up. You know the rest. He came on and assisted a crucial goal on 90 minutes that basically relegated Shrewsbury Town. You couldn't make it up, really. Number 1. Sylvan Ebanks-Blake, 2016-2017, half-season loan from Wolves. One of Mickey Mellon's last and worst signings. Ebanks-Blake arrived with some pedigree and scored plenty of goals for Wolves and a few the season before for Chesterfield. Fans seemed genuinely excited. That was until they saw him play football and it was clear he was a has-been. He had lost his motivation, his fitness and his desire. Carrying some summer weight that he never seemed to fully shift, Ebanks-Blake played seven games for Salop and was terrible in pretty much every one. His run without goals was not as long as Vassal's, but Vassal could at least run around a bit. 
Ebanks Blake looked like he needed some sort of medical assistance if he attempted something as foolish as running. He was regularly blown out of his ass on 50 minutes. Then there was a Christmas party where Ebanks, or should that be Eubanks Blake, was apparently in the middle of a big punch-up, which was one of the more surprising things as he'd shown little to no fight all season. Hurst had come in halfway through the season and the combination of being pretty much an awful footballer and the Christmas party means it was enough not to renew his loan. He didn't play football for almost a year and then he next pitched up trying to steal a living at Telford where he couldn't even get a game there. He's a worthy winner. He's a worthy winner to be number one in this list of worst loan signings at the New Meadow. So there we go, our top ten. Just to, just to reaffirm it then, Mandron ten, nine is Tom Eaves, eight Stuart Nicholson, seven Jamie Curitan, six Jeremy Hallan, five Gozi Ugwu, four Sydney Smeltz, Three was Carl Vassell, two was Nathaniel Mendez Lang, and one was this bone shivering effect of playing Sylvan Ebanks Blake up front. Mamma mia! What? Where did you start with some of those well, in the top five, particularly? I, you know, our our worthy winner, as you say, yes. Sylvan Ebanks Blake, <laughs> in his time at the club, generated the nickname Sylvan E likes cake because <laughs> he was definitely out of shape. He was about two stone over and blowing out his ass most of the time when he was running around. And just what, what a letdown he was. What a he massive was, disappointment. He was. And I, I went back and looked at Blue and Amber. One of the things I did for research on this was I'd go back and look at the Blue and Amber message board, which goes back to like 2002 or something like that. And you could type in, in the search terms the name of a player and go back to that time they were playing and look at the comments. And that's one of the things that sort of informed this list because when you go back and look at the comments about Blake, Nathaniel Lang, Vassal as well, you know, those top three particularly, oh my God, fans, you know, back in the day before social media, some of this, and very, very harsh on, on some of those players. But... You know, there's a very there's an interesting thing about those top two is that you just mentioned Blake came in and was completely unfit and potentially fat. Yeah, and so was the Mendes Lang. Oh. You know, you could throw a blanket over them two as the two worst. That'd be a big sides. blanket. <laughs> it would be a big blanket. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Mendes Lang and the exercise bike is iconic, isn't it, John? Well, Mendes Lang, he he came from Peterborough. <laughs> yes, and he turned up at pre-season training there, and Ferguson said to him, "You're overweight. You're not fit." And they sent him on loan to Shrewsbury. So as no one from Shrewsbury looks at him and thought, oh, why is he coming up and saying to us? Because <laughs> oh, he's really, really unfit. Yeah. Mm. But the way he used to sit by that dugout and, and pedal that bike, and it was only really him seemed to do it, nobody else seemed to be on it. He was anyone that was unfit at the time. Uh, I but then he'd, he'd get on it at about 20 minutes in, he'd be cycling away, and then half-time he'd come and he'd get off, and then he wouldn't come out at half-time to play, and he'd get back on his bike and he'd be cycling, and he wouldn't come on for the game. He just, he just sat and done a spin class. During a, a, there was obviously no train. resistance on it. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> He didn't, get, didn't burn a sweat on. No, he didn't particularly. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's the the other the other thing. Me and Ollie ummed and ahed about, really, what we'd have as our top three. And at one point, we had Mendes Lang first, and we had we had Carl second, and, and Steve Van Emmerich further down. But Vassal's run, that, that run where we went 13 games without a goal, and we were just desperate for someone to no. come and score and kind of keep us going and keep us out of trouble. And he was comically bad when he came to finish him, wasn't he? The thing, the thing about him is, like, a lot of strikers who turn up never get a chance because they make the wrong runs yeah. and they're out out of shape and they can't get there he actually got on the end of a lot of crosses he, w- he could beat a man with his pace yeah. and he would get in front of the goal and freeze like a deer in headlights and he would not know what to do and he'd spank <laughs> it straight at the keeper or it'd go over the bar and wide and it was just like he's got everything but the ability to score a goal and quite how he made a career out of that and he's still going now he scored against the other week didn't he yeah, yeah, he scored. Yeah, against so um, yeah, he was he was a he was a massive disappointment. He scored in the Rotherham game. I mean, yeah. I, I love the way his game ended, as we mentioned in the audio we just played, in that he went 13 games without a goal in that 13th game of playing Sheffield United, won a penalty, and he wasn't the designated penalty taker. Mm. He marched over it with the weight of the not scoring goals on his shoulders. Someone gave him the penalty, which he then missed, mm. <laughs> which was amazing. Mantle. And then and then uh, Mickey Mellon was in the press after the game saying fans were too harsh on him because he was getting slated on mm. social media, blue and amber, even at the crowd. I remember they were booing of him, and he backed into the hill. And the next game, dropped him and he never played for the football club again. I mean, that is an amazing way to end a terrible loan spell, isn't it? And, and he has gone on to do well, Mike, you're right, to be fair. But, yeah, I mean, Curran is the curious one on this list, isn't he? He's probably the best player in that top ten, I think, in terms of the, the qualities that he had in, in his career. And it is so frustrating that we never got anything out of him. We're the only team, other than Bournemouth, he didn't score a goal at in his entire career. And that is pretty amazing, to be fair, isn't it? <laughs> and John, a bit more of your research. You had a quick look at Haaland, didn't you? Uh, I think one of those comic figures that I think that we have in the West End from some of his antics. But go on. Yeah, Haaland. You can't find much about you know on the football sense that he's done. But although after he did leave, I kept seeing him score on the football league show, wherever he was for Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> I remember him coming on at Shrewsbury, thinking, "Oh, he's fast. He'll be good." But turned out he wasn't very good. He was just fast. Um, but football obviously isn't for him because. He has given up football to just follow religion now. Yep, yeah, that's all right. And I found there was, there was not, I think, a Shropshire Live article where there was, there's also other people that have given up football for religion. <laughs> there's a bloke called Lars Elstrup, who was in the Danish European Championship winning side. Wow. He retired to go and join a cult called the Wild Goose. <laughs> 
Uh, and there's an Argentine goalkeeper who quit football age 29 to just go and prepare for the apocalypse. <laughs> So those are two in the same kind of ilk as Jeremy Hillan in my I mean, mind. don't call me a critic, but surely there's enough time in the day to play football and be religious, you know. It's, it's Absolutely not, uh, not. Is that a full-time job? Absolutely not. By prepare for the apocalypse, I presume you mean sign for Wrexham or something like that, you know. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the bunker. An equally, uh, equally bad state of affairs, isn't it? But it's interesting in that top that top ten list as well. I mean, you know, we've, we've kind of come into a bit of a, a conclusion on this now, but it is interesting that top ten list of how you've still got players in there that, you know, you've, you, you remember the names and you remember them being really bad, but, you know... I suppose it's worth capturing this by saying football's a funny thing, isn't it? That sometimes as a football fan, your, your excellence of a player stands out with you. You know, we remember the goals that John Nolan scored still a few years ago, and you can go back to when we started watching football and think about goals Dean Spink scored or yeah. goals Wayne Clark scored. You know, right at the start when we were going, probably the same for you, John, when you started going. But it, there is a thing, and this is what I, I always find it interesting looking at you know poor signings or poor loan players because sometimes the the, the opposite of excellence, whatever it is, the disaster of a signing, it does stick with you, doesn't yeah. it? And you know, I'm sure that town fans like me, you know, you're down in the pub with your mates and you end up just reflecting on these sorts of things and I don't know those their top 10 certainly stand out mm. but some of them you can't really picture why you just remember they're not being good I was going to say you look at like you've got Schmelz and, and Ugwu at 4 and 5 now I can't remember a single specific thing <laughs> that either did at the football club a pass a shot something particularly bad not like Curtis Maines miss yeah. but the pervading memory of those two is just it, it was almost like they weren't supposed to be there they mm. were that bad they looked so out of place amongst professional footballers yes. that they were just so terrible and, and I guess both had relatively exotic names, so they came with a bit of pressure, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. one of them. It's but, true, um, it is true. But looking across your list you've got here, I'm amazed that it's almost exclusively strikers and wingers. Mm, yes. There are maybe two centre-halves and a centre-midfielder in there. The rest is all attacking players, and I think that, I think this, this is probably like some concentrated research you could sell back to the club <laughs> about the consistent problems we have. I don't know whether it's in the, in the, the backroom side or the culture of the club or... I don't know the pitch, the, the star signs, whatever it is. Like <laughs> we, we struggle. We need more Grant Holt Aries. We struggle to create and score goals clearly because we keep loaning in players who do those jobs. Yes. And even this season, we can't create goals. We can't score goals. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there a Wrexham flag buried under the centre circle there? Like, what's the problem? But this this sort of really concentrates that. Really, it is interesting because we've already started to put the list together of the best loan signings, and there are a load of goalkeepers on that. List. Yeah, I bet. And, and there's a load of defenders on that list, yeah. and then a couple of good strikers and midfielders. So it's, maybe there's something to be said there. But I think Brian has, has captured that in the interview we did with him last season, where he said signing strikers is the hardest thing for Shrewsbury Town really? to do. Because well, it's not. Well, <laughs> signing a good striker yeah, yeah, is yeah. the hardest thing. Really good signing them. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah. Because because we'll just get blown out of the water by most clubs, and we we look we know if we're looking sometimes in slightly higher end shops for our goalkeepers and defenders, where mm. we've brought lots of people in, including like Max O'Leary this year, and some of the defenders we brought in have been fantastic. But we tend to be shopping in Lidl and Aldi when we look. I was going to say this is bargain basement stuff. So mm. hopefully, um, who's the chap we signed recently for some money from Forest? Cummins. Cummins, yeah. Hopefully we push the boat out of it. Maybe we'll get some return out of him. Um, as opposed to yeah, like trying to find a, a rough diamond which doesn't seem to work and I would also add that this list is interesting that it goes back quite a, quite a while now that um, you know, you've know you got a lot of these players from a certain era and it's it's probably three, four years ago now where the club had a slightly different strategy on loan players mm. if you look at the last three years you know, the, the Hurst season we had a consistent bunch of loan players that were all, all did well last year you could say the same thing really with some of the loan players we brought in including Doherty stands out I suppose mm. um, we haven't really tended to be bringing in the same sort of dirge and I think it's a testament really to how that club's moved on a little bit in that some of those loan players we brought in now have gone on to play like James and a few of the others you know in the Premiership you look, at the, look at the Norwich players who are playing Godfrey's there now isn't he Henderson. so I think yeah Henderson as well so I think there, there is certainly some credit to be given looking at this list and again when we look at the best list in that how the club's changed its philosophy um, which is pro- probably a nice place to leave it, I suppose but yeah, yeah. I think we were, I think we previously looked quite reactionary with our use of loans as opposed to now we sort of we say right we're probably not going to buy a top class goalkeeper let's loan one in and we'll get a better one because there's a lot of goalkeepers and only one can play at a time yeah so they, they, I think they're looking at it a bit more strategically and like we'll get the guy that's going to be here all season as opposed to go we haven't scored in five games let's get a loan in quickly from somebody who's just available yeah. and we've got no pre-season yeah. and I think we'll finish it here by, by reflecting on what will be the second version of this, this episode um, from the new Top 40 show that we put together um, which is looking at best loan players but I'll put you on this, both on the spot now in that new Meadow era then obviously you've not done any research here John so you're going to have to rely on your memory <laughs> um, but who would you say has been your best and or favourite loan player that we brought in in that era? Well, it has to be either Dean Anderson or Godfrey, I suppose. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fair shout. Yeah, for no other reason. that It's good when you get a loan player that you could never afford in any other circumstances. <laughs> so obviously, that's, yeah. that's surely the benefit of having a loan player, isn't it? Yes. Not yeah. for just bringing someone in short term. You could have someone for the entire season, 
someone that Shrewsbury could never afford, but then you've got that player and you can integrate him into the squad properly for yeah. the entire year. So you've got like Henderson, Godfrey, and Doherty, I suppose, the three recent ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah standouts they are. That are going to be standouts in a kind of top kind of loan. Hmm. Yeah, you could. Yeah, can't argue with that. And I think a bit that plays into your point is that they clearly love their time at the club. Really bought into the club. Yep. Remember Henderson up in the West End collecting money. I mentioned that a couple of times on the pod. Um, and I, I put Henderson top of the list because he's playing in the Premiership two years later. He's, he's going to play for England, like like you say. There's never a chance in a million years we would have signed the guy without a loan. No. Um, and he was just yeah, he was class all season. Plus, didn't get injured, performed consistently. Like all those things, that's what you need out of a loan, and it happens so rarely as your as your list shows. Yeah, I mean it's, it is interesting. I I think it's going to be hard for us not to put Henderson top of it. But I'll throw a few names out there that I think we'll be considering that you haven't mentioned. So there's Luke Daniels, Bobby Grant, Sully Kaikai. Gilfie Sigurdsson, even Max Adler and Granderson, who first came in on loan at the start oh, yeah. of the New Mayor era and obviously went on to have really good careers. And you could even look at Grimmer, Mark Wright, even Torres Campbell. So there's a few there's a few names there that we'll probably be considering and, and we'll work out that top 40 list. And, um, I'm amazed you've got 40 good ones. Ah, yeah, I can't yeah, believe it. Yeah, it's, 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 I bet yeah. there's some gaps in them, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> We're waiting for another three seasons just yeah. to try and fill them in. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've kind of done a, a draft list of it, but, you know, down the bottom you've got players who I'd say were still decent enough for us, like Conor McLaughlin, Ryan Yates, Steve Phillips, mm. you know, there's, there's still players that had reasonably good times here, but maybe weren't here that long or, or for other reasons it went wrong. So it'll be interesting to see where we, we end up with that list, and um, we'll hopefully be bringing that um, probably when we've got knocked out of the FA Cup and we've got a spare weekend and a spare podcast week in the Why new not? year at some point. So that'll be coming along then. Um, and in the meantime, really, I suppose I suppose that's the best place to leave it. Thanks thanks to you guys for coming around having a, a bit of a chat about some of the uh, the great players we've had over the years. That was good fun. <laughs> thanks, guys. And um, we'll be back next week. Ollie will be back um, for a regular podcast. Um, and, yeah, we'll be playing AFC Wimbledon, won't we? So hopefully we'll be getting another win on the board. And we'll be back to talk about that. So, yeah, cheers for listening and uh, catch you next week. Oh!